Okay. Welcome to Just Jujitsu 72. Now let me try that again. Welcome to Just Jiu-Jitsu, episode 72. Is that more like the other day when I answered the phone and said, hello, and you paused for a second because you thought it was like a, you thought it was a recording of some kind? Yeah, your voice on the phone sounded very well-practiced. Well, thank you, Croiler. I should, should I start using like that, that broadcaster voice for this? Maybe make it a little bit more traditional of a show? Um, I wouldn't. Oh, just jujitsu. We get asses in seats and we tickle your ears all the way home. Something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not feeling it now. Not anymore. All right. Well, well, I'll work on other ones. Uh, this episode is is still over Zoom. So if if you guys are like waiting for us to be back in the room together, still hasn't happened. If, if you're waiting, if you're waiting for that, just that those sparks and. Just chemistry of Croiler and I being three feet apart. Well, in this case, it'll be six feet apart to abide by the standards of the state. We will be back to that soon. We're less than a month now from the gym opening, are we not? Yeah, we're we're actually, I think, two weeks away. Do you have to do anything in preparation for this? Not, not any more than what we're doing already. Are there any guidelines you have to have now, or is that... No, because once July 4th hits, um, they're removing all restrictions. So apart from just the common sense of cleaning up all services and making people... Right. Yeah. Today's episode is a BJJ Giants episode on Horian Gracie. Horian Gracie is the oldest son of Elio. He was... He's born in 52, so that would make him 68 now. And let's see, how many sons are there on Elio's? He's got seven. He has seven, so Orion sits at the top. He's played a big role in jiu-jitsu, but correct me if I'm wrong, it hasn't necessarily been on, on the mats. Not to say he's not good in jiu-jitsu and a master in the art, but he has almost been like a, like a, like a, the brain of like forming where jujitsu has like spread throughout the world. He's, he's been like a, like a visionary. As we, as we work through like his, his, the different stages, cause he's a, obviously he's a teacher. He's a author. He's a, a business owner, a, or an entrepreneur, a, uh, he's, he's been in some movies, I think, or he's worked as like a stunt coordinator and f- technical. Oh, oh yeah. He's been, he's got his hands in everything. And what, when, was he the, he wasn't the first Gracie to come here to the States. Was it, I, when I was reading the, I was seeing Carly Gracie a lot and I'm not familiar with him. He's uh, Clark's dad. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, and he was he was the first one to come up here. I don't remember exactly when he came up here, but he was I think he was a couple decades before even even than, than Horian was. Well, and uh, as I was kind of doing some reading, it sounded like maybe one of the sort of like the if you look at the history of the Gracies starting to migrate to the U.S., you have Holes who was first doing it because his mom lived in New York, right? So he would come up here and stay, and then. Carly came up and they started, I think they did Carly or maybe Holes did to start in like the teaching of like, uh, like doing some military teaching and like showing like some jujitsu to people. I think that was was Carly. 
All right. And then in 1969, no, 1969, I read Horian visited the U.S. for the first time. And then he came back in 78. And that's when he, he like moved here. And what part of the country did he move to? He moved to California. So he all, moved the, all Brazilians, when they come to the U.S., they either go to New York or California. I get California because the climate is, is warm and similar. But why, why do you think New York? Because that is the opposite of Brazil. Yeah, but the city, New York City, is um, can can be a little bit reminiscent of like Rio, like the city of Rio. not the weather, but the the busy crowds and the just the size and everything. Okay. Now, when Horian comes up here, what a guy who he probably didn't speak great. I don't know what his English was like. Maybe it was okay, but. How does he survive? It's not like he's coming into a place where he has a network. Jiu-jitsu is something no one has heard of. It sounds like gibberish coming out of someone's mouth. I mean, he he did a lot of odds and ends, things that you wouldn't think of, you know, like houses. He, you know, taught people in, in garages and, like, he didn't have anything really other than, you know, an attitude that um, – of somebody who wants to work and wants to be successful and he would do whatever it took. I know he did like, go ahead. I was just going to say the whole garage thing. That's, that's something like even it seems like a lot of people nowadays will try to do when starting a gym. Is he starting from his garage? Like, what does that look like? Like, is he like, do you have to just start with like one client and then you're, you're doing privates with them and then you just slowly have to build that clientele. Yeah, pretty much. You know, um, Horian is very, um, <clears throat> Horian is very charismatic and he's a very good salesman. You know, he, he speaks very well. And if you got one person in there, that person would be so happy that they would tell other people. And then it becomes like a, like a, it's it just, it'll just like catches like wildfire. It's an exponential growth because then one become two, two become four and such and such. And he started, I think it was in Hermosa beach, which I believe is in LA is, is that, does, does he still have a school in that area? I know they, they opened up, I think he opened up with his brothers like Hoist and Hoyler and Hickson. They opened, uh, it would have been what, like the mid to late eighties, the Gracie and Torrance. Yes, the um, actually it wasn't in Torrance; it was in Carson originally, um, which wasn't. It's not the greatest part of of LA. Um, they opened the Grace Academy. You know, they kind of taught for him, and then, you know, as they all developed their own brands and their school and their own careers, they left, um, and then his sons started teaching they were becoming black belts and he was running out of instructors so he and Henner um, stepped up and started teaching for him at that school and then eventually they moved to, to Torrance is he their father yes now when Horian first moved up to the states was that something that like Elio was excited for did he want him to stay in Brazil <laughs> Um, I, you know, it, it's hard to tell because my my grandfather had this vision. He wanted jujitsu to be spread worldwide, and that was instilled very heavily on his kids. 
they all went to different parts of the world. They all started schools and etc. So when Horian moved here, I'm sure that I'm, I'm positive that my grandfather was happy and proud of him, you know, because he knew he was going to spread the art, and he did. I mean, everybody in the world now heard about Jiu-Jitsu because of Horian. Um, and, and I think at the same time, he maybe, it was like a bittersweet thing, you know, because it wasn't like he was going to be able to see his son all the time. What do you think made Horian like the ideal like trailblazer for the Gracie name and getting jujitsu out there? He had a vision and he was, he had, he's smart and he has a, like I said, he, he speaks very well. You know, he can sell you your own car. Mm. Um, like he's, just he's just very good at and which which is I feel like that's kind of what like Henner has has become. Yes. They're taking so, that mantle. So, so Henner is a young version of Horian. And so when Horian came, you know, here, people were not ready for him. Mm. <laughs> and he very easily won people over and got people to invest in, in maths, in the school, in the business different ideas you know what I mean like and, and it was just a matter of time before he had enough investors to do the ultimate fighting championship yeah he had like certain ideas obviously that that being one of them that that were ways that were maybe like an unconventional way to get attention but clearly were effective and when I what, what comes to mind to me is the Gracie jiu-jitsu in action videos yes. Can you explain kind of what what those are? I think they came out first. In, it came out first in I think eighty eight. Right. So so in Brazil, people knew and know who the Gracies are by sheer reputation. In America, they they have no idea who these Brazilians are. You know. So so Horian has this idea of how about we do the same thing in America. We challenges people to fights. You say same thing, and that, that that's referencing what his grandpa and uncle did in Brazil, right? Correct, correct. And and he and his brothers did as well. They were part of it as well, growing up, you know. And the only difference was in Brazil, it was more, um, it was easier to do it because you could just, you know, challenge somebody's like honor, you know, what I mean? <sighs> and people would step up. But in America, like. There's suits and you know things like that that can happen. People can. And we see. don't really have that much honor. So like, if someone challenges it, we're like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe I don't have it. <laughs> people here are mostly motivated by money. Right. So, um, basically, the Gracie challenge, go oh, sorry, the Gracie in action videos started with, um, basically Gracie challenges. They would put us some of money down. People would come in, fight them for it, and then they would record those videos, and then he would get them to release to release their image on the video and then they turned around and sold those videos. Um, Horian did not have the money for the Gracie for the Gracie challenges, you know, for like the the sum of money that he was betting. He didn't have that money. So <laughs> he and his brothers had to win. Like they had to win those matches. And it wasn't until much later that those Gracie in action videos had sold enough that he actually had the sums of money he needed to should one of them lose, have to pay up. 
Well, I think that, yeah, they, they, they would sell a lot. And then it also became something where it would just be like dubbed and, and like, uh, like recorded over and over. And like people would just right. like put out there. And even though like a lot of those copies probably weren't legally obtained, uh, it still got this like cool, like underground, like, per, uh, like mystique of like, what the fuck is this thing? Have you seen like these, like this blurred, footage like there's this i don't know if you've ever heard of the video series called faces of death yeah like it was i remember it was popular in the 90s and i don't know if they i don't even know if they're actual deaths but i remember like it was just like oh man like have you seen this video it's and it was it was supposedly of just people like dying and, and it's a very dark thing but it had just this like weird uh feeling where like when you watch it you're like oh shit i'm not supposed to be seeing this um Mm -hmm. even though they ended up selling them at like blockbuster and family videos but uh but beside that i I feel like that's probably that's kind of what like the crazy challenge thing was where you just saw these guys like yeah i don't know i just there's like this little um like i don't know like this this little brown guy i don't know where he's from but he just he he just like 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 took this big guy down and then just kind of like slowly smothered him and then choked him. They were like, like put him in between his legs and squeezed him, like to, to all of our like completely virgin foreign eyes. It just, it looked like, it looked like something just didn't look right. It's like, wait, no, that, why you're, this, this type of person's not supposed to beat up this enormous muscle bound human. Right. <laughs> and and I, that, I'm sure that kind of paved the way for UFC. But uh, what are when you think of Gracie in action? What are some of the like fights that come to to mind? Um, I don't. I think it was Hoyler. I'm not sure who fought, who was fighting, but they fought this kung fu guy or this hapkido guy, and um, you know he. I think it was whether it was fighting whether took him down. The guy turned around, he took his back, and then he choked him. You know, and the guy was like, "Oh, I wasn't. I, I didn't know we were doing that." <laughs> they got up and they they went again, and um, you know, whether took him down, took his back. Only this time, he was like, he just slapped him like in his head. He just kept slapping him, and then eventually, like the guy looked up and he choked him again. He goes, "Why? Well, I didn't know we were doing that." And they won a third time, and of course the result was the same. So, like people were in such disbelief, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, even the people that were fighting were in such disbelief that they almost wanted a you know, like a, an instant rematch in order to, you know, be ready for what was coming. But they had no idea that like, you can't be ready for jujitsu unless you train jujitsu. Like that doesn't exist. Yeah, they treat they treat it like a sucker punch. Like that came out of nowhere. Like I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. Let's do right. that again. Right. Yeah. No. No. You. you that just doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah. Now, how how do you think a lot of those fights were set up? Because they look very. They don't look. They look almost impromptu, or like they had very little like setup or organization leading to it. Like sometimes it's just it looks like it's in some in, in their their gym, and I, I don't know if they if they would go to someone's gym or some they would like host people at the gym and they'd set up this whole. Uh, so fight. The, the Gracie Challenge was what fueled the Gracie in actions, and the Gracie Challenge was this tradition that started in Brazil, basically 
all the family members are supposed to be ready to defend the family name at any given time. So in Brazil, they would just put ads out and say, hey, you know, if anybody wants to challenge us, come on in. Um, here in America, they did something similar, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some money involved in, you know, but they didn't know when people were coming in. So they might be holding a class and somebody comes in and says, hey, let's, let's fight. And the class would take, you know, a small intermission. Somebody would pull out a camera and uh, we'd go at it. Can you imagine that being the case now where you had to, like, you just always had to be prepared for someone to come into school and like, hey, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm just here to fight. And you're like, oh, God damn it. Okay, <laughs> let me let me finish up this class and then then we can we can we can punch each other in the face. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be like I would just I would probably just live my life always nervous. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like every time someone walked in the door, I'm like, oh fuck. They're like, yeah, I'm here to take a class. Like, oh thank God. <laughs> No, I think, I think, you know, kind of growing up in it, it was just one of those things you just did. Like I didn't, I, I you know, I don't, I, I don't know. I, mean, I guess it would be weird if, if that wasn't the case, you know? Because mm-hmm. yeah, now it's, it's, it's probably, it's not as extreme. I think you don't have someone literally coming in. I mean, maybe sometimes we're going like, I want to stand and bang with you. Let's go. Like now it's, it seems like the modern version of that is them just coming in and be like, okay, I'm just going to like bull rush you and just try to like muscle you and show you all this like wrestling and grappling that I know. Right. Right. And I think that it's because of Warren that that's changed. You know, I think, um, you know, before people didn't know what it was, people had no idea. So part of it was curiosity Part of it was money motivated, you know, but now because of the UFC and because of the just scene essentially blowing up and, and having tons of, you know, me, ever, you know, mainstream media attention and stuff. Um, I think most people may know that it's something that the tougher guys do, the guy, the tougher guys, you know, on the UFC do, um, and it's not something you can play around with and, and nobody wants to come in and try your chance at potentially getting hurt, you know? Right. So if we fast forward a few years to 93, we uh-huh. get to what would be Orion's probably biggest as far at least most uh, influential moment or thing he did that had the biggest impact. And that would be UFC one. Now, right. What what role did he play in in the UFC? He created um, the UFC, and I think he owned it for the first four, if I'm not mistaken. I think he created it with uh, Art Davey, a guy who was a show promoter. They got together and and right. had the. I think Davey thought like, yeah, it'd be cool to put all these things against each other and uh, all these different martial arts against each other. And it seemed like Horner was like, yeah, but it, like in in his mind the whole time he's thinking like, this is, I'm, I'm going to create this platform with the sole purpose of getting Gracie Jiu-Jitsu out there. Right. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. Like he wasn't just a, like a good business person. He had the vision of saying, okay, you know, this will, you know, the Gracies are going to win. So this is going to be huge for the Gracie family and, you know, I'll make money doing it. Yeah. And, and so what are some of the things that, um, 
that was done you think to help as as you're horian orchestrating this this event what are the things he's doing to have the biggest impact for jujitsu in its debut to the world i think i think you you said it i think um are you talking about like what he did to favor jujitsu or what he did to what he did to make it as impactful because he could have just said, oh. all right, yeah, we're just, we'll just have all these people yeah. fight and we'll see what happens. But there are certain things it seems like he did that really gave it that extra. Yeah. So like who, who would, who would fight in it, you know, who'd represent the family in there and mm-hmm. you know, um, the, the choices at the time were all great choices, you know, um, the the champion of the family at the time was Hickson, but Hickson was an intimidating looking dude. And should Hickson go in there and you know beat everybody up, um, much like Hoist did, you know it didn't it wouldn't weigh as much because you know Hickson looked especially back then he was jacked and he looked like he could just tear your head off your you know your body and you know, in front of your family. Um, so they so they picked Hoyce because Hoyce had the, at least aesthetically speaking, aesthetically speaking, had the most um, frail looking body. You know, he was a tall guy. He was skinny. He was not really jacked. He was young. You know, he looked young. Um, he looked like your average kid you'd seen the beach you know what I mean like mm-hmm. it wasn't like he wasn't this like jacked guy who has been into you know many many fights he wasn't this you know mean machine he wasn't this tatted up guy he wasn't you know like your stereotypical tough guy you know looks which really first for Hoist, I feel like, at least if I was him, that would be an added element of, of, of stress where they say, hey, we're going to have you fight for the family name. And you're like, oh, my God, yeah, already that's, that's, that's like on the biggest platform ever. That's a ton of pressure. And then we're going to do it because you look like you shouldn't win this. Like people see you and they think like, yeah, this guy's a pussy. And I'm like, yeah, thanks, Dad. Cool. Uh, <laughs> real excited to go do this now. <laughs> So the other, yeah, they did, they have him, they have Hoy, so he visually, you see the striking difference. And then they put on the other side, a lot of like larger people. So, so not only do you just have Hoyce and average guys, you have Hoyce and just big fucking guys. Yeah. And, and, and Hoyce, of course, delivered, you know, he submitted everyone um, with ease, you know, and, and that, single event or, or even the first three or four that the Horian owned and Hoist fought in them. Um, the, um, that changed the martial arts world because it took the mysticism away from martial arts. You know, it basically said, look, we took eight different styles of all kinds different kinds of grappling, different kinds of striking, you know, different kinds of everything. And we said, okay, there's no rules. There's no time. Just go beat each other up and let's see who wins. And it turns out it was this skinny, scrawny Brazilian, you know, pajama wrestling thing that, that, you know, won. 
Yeah, is is can you think of any other event where there was something like that that just definitively answered? I don't know where they pitted things together like that. Do you like other martial arts up against one? Like Pancrase did that? Uh, Pancrase usually fought the Pancrase guys, but Pancrase has been around longer, so I'm sure it's it happened. Maybe not planned. Maybe somebody thought they could come on and and fight those guys and. You know, maybe they have a different, you know, but purposefully planning a an event where different styles will fight each other. Um, I don't think that there was one prior to this. Well, and I, I, yeah, the other difference would probably be they just, and this is like I'm credit to uh, Horian and or Davey, it would be they marketed that really well of yes. like, all these like the martial arts world comes together to see who will be the person to stand above all. Well, I think the biggest, the biggest controversy of that is that he didn't have any of the, the, uh, like the chi, the, uh, like the, the no touch guys. in. that, that's my only issue with Maureen is he really, he, he really did cut those guys out. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I'm not quite sure what to say to that. <laughs> Can you imagine if they would have let had a, like one of those guys come in? Yeah, they would have been killed. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a murder on on TV. It might been that might have been the new faces of death. Yeah, it would have been worse than the the fight of I don't remember the guy's name, but the sumo wrestler who just got kicked in the face and his t- teeth flew out. Oh yeah, he fought out. The tall Gerard, white Gerard, Gerard Gudeau. Yeah, he yeah, fought yeah. Right He was a French savat champion. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and that guy got massacred. So I just imagine if you had some some person come in with like a long, like flowing dress and started doing like the train, like like elegant hand motions. Trying to push off a fucking, you know, Kamehameha. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're sitting here and we're making, we're, we're, we're talking about it. Like we know what would happen. We don't know what would happen. Maybe. Oh, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that I know yeah. what would happen. You know what? You're very confident for someone who, who, who's very ignorant on what could have happened here. I think, I think, I, I'm not saying I think, but maybe, maybe we would have seen it's more effective than the others and it would have been the influential martial art that guided the UFC from that point on. Could have been. And you right now would not be teaching jujitsu. You would be um, at best a student in some no touch school. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I don't think that's the case, but <laughs> all right. So that UFC that's a huge, uh, a huge feather in the cap of Horian, which if people don't know, he does wear a cap and it's covered in feathers. If you ever see him, it's like one of those, like it's like a fedora with just big feathers in it. I think that might be a Brazilian thing. Is that what it is? That's not a thing. And he does not wear a cap. Another thing that he, he, he did was started to put together these like, I don't know if you'd call them combat systems or curriculums, but he started working with, let's say, like the U.S. military. They put Gracie combatives together. Yeah. And can you explain to us what Gracie combatives is? So Gracie combatives is really. Um, so my grandfather had this curriculum that he thought he thought that everybody should know. 
as a way to protect themselves. And I'm sure it was uh, it was something that changed over time. It was something that was probably influenced by Carlos. Um, I'm not positive, you know, I wasn't there, but um, but essentially, um, the great schematics are what your you know brand new beginner should know. And it covers everything from basic self-defense to basic ground fighting. Um, Horian obviously um, rebranded it Gracie Combatos. He um, and sold it as this toolkit that anybody in law enforcement or military should know as a means to protect themselves. And and he he was capable and then very successfully sold those those tool sets as toolkits, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's still practiced today. And what kind of like what kind of stuff is in the combatives, do you know? It's a lot of the same stuff that we have in our uh white belt tool belt course, you know, like gun disarms, knife disarms, you know, closing the distance, taking people down, um, once we're on the ground, some basic submissions, you know, your Kimuras, your Americanas, your arm bars. Um you know, for the middle, for the police officers, it may involve some cuffing techniques and things like that. How, how did you get, how did you, like the whole, like cuffing techniques, you, it's something that like when you're just doing jujitsu, you're not, you're never working with cuffs. So did you have to take like a, how, how did you learn how to teach like cuffing people? Cause it's not something we, you'd learn on your daily no, no, but it's something that it's something that I mean, if you're looking to teach jujitsu, you need to learn even the areas that aren't very popular. So you know, strike defenses, gun um, arms, the 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 that kind of stuff. You need to learn to protect yourself. But there's other things like what if you just want to hold somebody down? You know what I mean? Like how how can you most effectively hold? Just keep somebody on the ground, or um, you know, because you may not want to hurt them. You know, or or if in the case of police officers in particular, how can we take somebody down, manipulate their body in, in so that they stay down well enough so that we can handcuff them? And it's something that over the over the years, you know, at least inside the family, but I'm sure there's other judicious practitioners outside the family have gotten very involved in because it, it was a need, you know, the, the police officers would say, hey, this is great, I can take him down, I can mount him, I can armbar him, but I really need to cuff him, you know, and, and then the minds come together and, and a plan was devised and developed. Now, what, what is what is Horian up to these days? I see, seems like he does a lot of stuff kind of about the Gracie diet. Yeah, yeah, so, so, I don't know if Hawaiian school is still open or not. I know Hiro and Hannah opened their own place in Grace University. Now it's what it's called. So I don't know if Hawaiian still has a school that he teaches at or not, to be honest. Um, I don't think he does, but I could be mistaken. Um, but Hawaiian's big thing now is he does lots of um, seminars on jiu-jitsu, but he also does lots of seminars on the Gracie diet. He's got books on it. He's got websites dedicated to it. Um, and that's another thing that maybe he felt that was neglected. You know, there, there were two, two things that were supposed to be pushed throughout the world. You know, it was 
Gracie Jiu-Jitsu and then the Gracie Diet. Um, and the diet is not like to lose weight. The diet is just to live a healthier life. And um, so it's not one of these that you take and you're like, oh, I'm going to bulk up and get huge or I'm going to skinny, you know, skinny down, slim down. And that that's not what it's designed for. It's just designed so that your body can recover from injuries faster, can heal from illnesses faster, can absorb nutrients the right way. And um, that's a much harder sell than something that you can physically show people. Like mm-hmm. I can beat you up and I can show you that I can beat you up. You know, if I tell you to eat a certain way, it may take months or years before, you know, it has any sort of impact in your life. It's tough to do a Gracie challenge for like your, your internal health. Like right. I challenge anyone to bring a, a x-ray that shows they have a cleaner uh, intestines than me. Right. So I think he's been pushing that a lot of that now. Um, and, and if you ever see um, Horian now, uh, Horian is almost seven years old and he, um, he looks good, man, for, for somebody like his age. Mm-hmm. So, and he's, you know, he doesn't have any, any sort of, you know, like disabilities. He's not, you know, getting those sorts of like illness, like health issues or anything like that. So it's, he's a testament to it paying off. Yeah. And just as we close that up and talk about it, it just is, it shows he was kind of like the cerebral, as you said, visionary of the clan, the oldest brother, the one who kind of had a direction and took what like Helio had wanted to see happen with jujitsu and helped like facilitate all of that progressing. Right. right. Yeah. He, 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 you know, he, he stands by, by his word too. I mean, I don't think he's ever not followed the Gracie diet. You know, I don't think he's, you know, never believed that he couldn't achieve what he achieved. I think there was that one period, brief period where he did just go off and he did do the crazy donuts where he, he was like, kind of like, like real crazy donuts with like Captain Crunch and donuts with like maple syrup and bacon. I don't think that was a thing. Okay. That must've been a different horror and crazy. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Okay, before we end this episode, we are going to do a listener question. This one is from uh, Adam. He says, a question for Professor Croiler. would also accept input or singing from Andrew. Thank you, for, thank you for that option, Adam. I appreciate it. He says, I've been training for about a year and a half. I come from a collegiate background, so grappling in itself is very familiar and comfortable to me. My white belt progression has involved a lot of quote unquote reprogramming in terms of how I react and position my body because my old true and tested wrestling scrambles and holds often put me in an undesirable position for jujitsu. For a wrestler who's transitioning to to jujitsu, what are some common obstacles or things to be aware of? And what would you recommend I focus on? I strive to be humble and taking the approach that I should show uh, show up to class and accept that I'm a layman, keep my mouth shut, shut and learn what the coach is teaching. I'm mostly looking for a way to build any good habits and cut out bad ones. Appreciate the advice and look forward to being tapped within seconds at the next Black Lion team training. Oh, Adam must, I didn't even look. Oh, Adam from Black Lion. Okay. All right. Look at that. Yeah. Um, the best thing is to, you know, if you wrestled before and if you wrestled long enough to develop wrestling instincts, 
then you obviously are somebody who is going to thrive on top. But I would say work on the bottom. It's counterintuitive, um, but it'll help you break the, the, the worst habit of wrestling, which is to turn your back. You know, um, and, and it doesn't matter if you're a good wrestler or a bad wrestler. All wrestlers belly down at some point. So if you force yourself to fight off your back, it'll stop you from bellying down, you know, and, and, and that will single-handedly eliminate the biggest, uh, the most common issue with wrestlers um, who are transitioning to jujitsu. Once that habit is broken, you know, then you start working into more specific things, like when you're going to the top or when you're working to take downs to learn to protect your neck so you're not sticking your head out there and, and getting caught with something you shouldn't be caught, you know, and, and, and minor things like that, nothing, nothing crazy or anything like that. Well, Adam, thank you for the question, and uh, we appreciate it very much. Your questions are always welcomed, and we will do what we can to facilitate them being answered. Carly, go ahead and pick up from here. Yep, go ahead. And do you go. Nah, I'll pass. No. Okay. Adam, I'm sorry about that. I think this whole thing was a waste of time because because of Corella dropping the ball there at the end. You know, I think I think if I would like to think your un- uncle listens to every episode, I, I, I just assume. And all I, of them, right? All of them, man. He's a big fan. Uh, he loves he loves the role playing parts. He, I think he would like to hear you just sing there at the end. So maybe if we could do just a little. Hey, Adam, thanks for listening. We are here in Crowler's christening every episode with a little blood, sweat, and tears. Taking away all your fears as you walk down the street and you fight all the bad guys. Oh, my. No, you don't, you're not going to give me anything? No. No, if he listens, he definitely doesn't want me to sing. Everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, <laughs> sorry that Corolla just ruins every single one of the, uh, these episodes. I'm really doing my best to get to, to get them out of here because because if I've learned anything from the reviews, it's that people want way less of you. They don't like the information. They they, they they're like, we're not here to learn. We just want like like neat, stupid little jokes and like songs that <laughs> were made by someone who clearly has no musical talent. That's what that's the feedback I get. Is that's what people want from this show. Gotcha. So I'm just saying, yeah. Crow, you better be careful because you'll be out of here. You'll be out of here. Oh, man. I don't, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> it might ruin my... <laughs> I know. You, you probably have to close your gym down. Yeah, you, I mean, that, that's how I get everybody in there. It, it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. We will see you next week.